mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I can't wait. That's the current sermon series we're in. We're considering the different ways that we're called to wait uh, as we ultimately wait for our coming King, Jesus. But until He comes, we've got a lot of waiting to do. And we wait through uh, a lot of different situations. Right? Sometimes we're like Noah. and We just can't wait for things to be over. Sometimes we're like the Israelites at Mount Sinai and we get a little antsy in our waiting. We look towards other things to to fill us up instead of waiting on God. Sometimes, well, sometimes the thing that we're waiting for is actually good. It's not that we can't wait for it to be over. We can't wait for it to be here. We want it now. And a lot of times, we'll do whatever we can to to fast-track what we're waiting for. Speed up that waiting process. It's kind of like my commute back when I used to live in St. Louis, before I moved up here. Uh, Even before I attended the seminary. I was living in St. Louis and, and working at a logistics company that was just outside of St. Louis, but I lived uh, kind of in the heart of the city. My commute to work was great. Got up, left about 6.30 in the morning, it was still dark out, traffic was light, and I'd make it in and to my desk 15, 20 minutes tops. But the commute home was awful. <laughs> I dreaded it every day because every time I got onto the highway, Traffic was always jammed up, way more than I expected it to be. Backed up with big old semis blocking the road. And distracted drivers looking down and and checking their phones. Instead of driving in that gap that had opened up on the highway like three seconds ago. (laughs) Seriously, I hated waiting in that traffic. I just wanted to be home, home, where I'd be comfortable, where I would be happy, and I wanted to to fast-track getting there. And so oftentimes, I would try to get out of my waiting. My GPS, without fault, every time told me that the highway, even with the traffic, was the best route home. But what if my GPS was wrong this time? What if it hadn't updated? What if it didn't see all the obstacles in front of me? So I'd hop off the highway, duck down some side roads, fly through some yellowish, reddish lights. (laughs) The lane that I was in was ending, but it, it hadn't ended yet. So I stayed in it, did whatever I could to get home sooner to get to that promised land faster. But it rarely, if ever, worked. The only thing that got worked was me. I got worked up in a huff about the whole thing, more frustrated when I got home than when I was sitting in the traffic. 
And yes, there were a couple of tickets thrown in there for, for good measure. I tried to fast track my joy, and I paid the price for my impatience. And so did the Israelites. That's what we heard today in our Old Testament reading. The price that the Israelites had to pay for their impatience. Their impatience with God. Forty years in the wilderness. The promised land was right there. They had seen it. But it wasn't what they were expecting. There were big old peoples dwelling in the land, the Canaanites and the Amalekites. The promised land looked harder than they had imagined. It was going to take more work than they expected. It, it wasn't the happy ending that they wanted. And so they rebelled against God's plan. They try to fast-track their joy they even try suggesting going back to Egypt, to the land of slavery, as if that would be better somehow. And this, I mean, this puts God over the edge. This is the last straw. He has had it up to here with the Israelites, these impatient people. But don't get God wrong. This isn't some sort of cosmic temper tantrum that God is throwing. Oh, God has been extremely patient with these people. He's had more than enough reason to discipline these Israelites. And now he's simply doling out what was long overdue. And so he declares to the people that they're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness and that it'll be their kids instead who go into the promised land. But instead of accepting God's reproof, <laughs> you heard what they did. They try to take matters into their own hands. They try to march into the promised land. They try to show God that, no, we, we really are faithful. We can do this. But they're still looking to themselves for the answer. Instead of listening to the Father, and a feeble attempt to reverse this curse. It's futile. The Israelites are defeated. They wanted to fast-track their joy, and they paid the price. How often have we experienced the same dissatisfaction in our own lives? Think about it. Think about the times when we have arrived to some promised land of our own, but it doesn't turn out to be what we expected it to be. You land that dream job that you have been working so hard to achieve that actually utilizes your skill set so well, but it's harder than you imagined it would be. It's still work. <laughs> And it wears on you more than you'd like to admit. Or you finally meet that person who you say is the one. They seem so perfect. But then you get in 
to your marriage with them and you realize that they're not because none of us are. And your marriage is is not the happily ever after you were told it would be. It's hard. And there's real struggle in it. Or maybe, maybe your experience is one of needing a friend. You're, you're somewhere new, some place that's new for you, a new setting. You're struggling with it and you need a friend. And a friend comes along and they help you adjust during this difficult time of your life. But now some time has gone on. And it's actually your friend that is experiencing the difficulty. And all of a sudden, you're on the other side of the phone listening to them complain week after week about their life. This friendship has become burdensome. It's harder and harder to want to try to pick up the phone call, to to check that last voicemail they left you. What do we do when we find ourselves in situations that bring sorrow instead of joy? How do we cope with it? So often we just detach. We tell ourselves that the the best option is just, we just have to abandon ship, save ourselves. That's the only way that we'll have comfort, that we'll have happiness. Or maybe we double down in that situation we're in, really muster up all we have to try and fix it. But then when things don't change, we're defeated. The Israelites were defeated in more ways than one. But listen to what God does. And if you're curious, read about it in the rest of that book of Numbers. Look at God's action for this people. He does not detach himself. He does not destroy. He had reasons up to here for abandoning this faithless, frustrating, forgetful people. But he stays. He pardons. He promises. Though the people have been unfaithful to the covenant, God remains faithful. He keeps his end of the bargain. God stays with his people in the wilderness. He he doesn't abandon them. Now, there are consequences for the people's actions. Like when they try to take the land without God's blessing. When they violate God's word, of course, they face consequences. But God does not abandon them. He continues to walk with them through the wilderness, through the sorrow. He uses the challenges as opportunities to draw closer to the people, to teach them by what, or rather by who, they will live, to teach them what the promised land is all about, or who it's all about. God routes foreign armies for them. He provides them healing through the bronze snake. He gives them manna day in and day out through their entire wandering in the wilderness. 
Their clothes don't wear out and their feet don't swell the whole 40 years that they're trudging through the wilderness because of God's presence with them. It's as if God is saying the whole time, look to me for your joy. It is found in me. And when you look to me, I will bring you deliverance. I will turn your sorrow into joy. Though any one of us might have given up on these Israelites, just detached ourselves from them, God remains faithful. And he has remained faithful to you. Though we have often been impatient with our circumstances, maybe impatient with God himself, yet he has remained faithful to us. God, using every situation that might make us impatient as a chance to draw near to us, showing us the foolishness of our attempts to fast-track our joy and exposing our dreamed-up promised lands for the mirages that they so often are. For the true promised land is not a land at all. The true promised land comes in a person, Jesus. Jesus Christ, He brings the kingdom. Jesus, the eternal Son of God who waited patiently, for his father's plan to play out. Who waited patiently for the fullness of time when he might come into this world that he loves, that was created through him, that he might set it right and make straight the crooked and make whole the broken, that Jesus might come and bring joy at whatever cost, at whatever price, even if the price to pay was his own flesh and blood. Jesus. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our joy. What did he say to his disciples? John chapter 16. When you see me, your hearts will rejoice. When you see me in that day, you won't ask for anything. You'll ask for nothing. Why? Because you'll have everything. When your joy is found in the person of Jesus, you will never ultimately be disappointed be left in sorrow. When you look for Jesus for your satisfaction, apart from your circumstance, you will not be let down because God has always remained faithful to his promises and to his people. So how do we move forward knowing this? I offer two suggestions for you this morning, two, two ways that we might wait. The first, wait in his forgiveness. We're an impatient people. 
There's going to be times every once in a while when we try and take the shortcut. All right, maybe more than once in a while we might try to do that. This isn't what God wants for us. But it's also not up to us to rectify it. We don't need to make some great extravagant display of our faithfulness to God in order to set things right. God is not waiting for us to promise never to do it again, whatever it is, so long as He just spare us this one last time. God doesn't need proof, our proof. We need God's pardon. What God wants, more than our attempts to prove our faithfulness, is just to let Him in. Let Him in to whatever is making us impatient. Let Him into those times when we have tried to rush ahead. Be forgiven. Be pardoned. And the second way we might wait is to wait in sorrow. Don't give in to your impatience. Your impatience tells you that if you just do A, B, or C, fill in the blank for you, if you just do that, you won't be sorry anymore. You won't be sad. You'll, you'll be on the other side of your sorrow. You'll be happy again. That's what your impatience tells you. But kind of like veering off the highway onto those side streets. Our effort to take a hold of happiness and skip the sorrow is a futile effort because joy, true joy, is not achieved. It's received. True joy is given. It's not gotten. The only way that I can get joy, it's not going to be by my own effort, by my own cleverness. I can't jump ahead for it. It comes in a posture of humility. Two hands held out to the one who has promised to turn my sorrow into joy and who has never failed to keep his promises. It's in his name In Jesus' name that we wait. Amen.